on this episode of AV Week, a Vixer releases their latest IOTA report. We lose $20 billion in the AV industry in 2020. When will we get it back? Taking a look at video conferencing fatigue and how to fix it. And Zoom releases hardware as a service. All that and more. Next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 465, recorded Friday, July 17th, 2020. Interactive VC. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box, and by Vadio. Makers of the new NDI Professional Broadcast Camera, the RoboShot 30E NDI. And by Draper. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have got for this week. Uh, two newbies, at least, to the AV Week uh, universe, and I'll explain that in a second. Uh, but first and foremost, you know her and love her. Her name is Corey Shaver from QSC. Welcome, ma'am. Hey, good to be here, Tim. Thanks for having uh, me. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so a young man who I met through SCN's The Nine, his name is Joe Dunbar, and he works for Diversified. Welcome, sir. Hey, how's it going? Good. And a young man I met last month while we did some uh, webinars for Wolf Vision, Akintayo uh, Adawali from Barracks. Welcome, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me, Tim. Absolutely. Uh, so our first story comes to us from our own website, avnation.tv. Zoom has launched hardware as a service, the HAAS model, or Haas model, I guess, aims to make buying the technology, budgeting, and scaling even easier. Zoom is partnering with D10, Neat, Poly, and Yaling for the hardware parts of this solution. Joe, we'll start with you on this. How does this compare to other as-a-service models that we've seen in the AV space? I mean, I wish I had something more exciting to say about it, but it's it's pretty on par for what we expected. I think, Zoom, you know, and all the UC providers in this space have a pretty unique position in the sense that they're relatively direct to the customer um, and we get looped in in a variety of ways. But with that kind of reach to the customer, you know, it's kind of just a matter of time on this. And uh, I want to, at some point, we're going to have to talk about it. It doesn't have to be at this moment, but I want to, who's, who's using a Zoom phone? Has anybody used a Zoom phone yet? No? Okay. No. I've seen some. I haven't actually used one, but like I use the soft phone. I don't, I'm trying to figure out the situation in which you would have a heart phone over. So like, I don't know why you would. Want Joe, I would, I would ask like, who's using a phone these days, right? Mm. <laughs> that's, that's just it. I mean, the Zoom phone, uh, at my last role, I had a, a Zoom soft phone. It was fantastic because everything was built into one app and, you know, the hardware as a service model makes sense, of course. Um, as a whole, not specific to Zoom, I think there's a lot of people that will take uh, issue with the as a service model. And I think really the one way to break that down right away is by remind, like, I don't know, maybe if we change the, the term, that, that would be enough. I mean, mm. that's, that's what I haven't got yet, right? I don't know. Yeah. I've been thinking about that one. But, but ultimately, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a surprise. This is pretty much the direction we've seen it, seen it you know, going, and it's going to continue to kind of happen this way. I think integrators still have a, a place and a role in this uh, you know, ecosystem. I don't think we're going to disappear or go away because people have access to you know, hard phones or something like that, or, or even Zoom rooms for that matter. I mean, a lot of corporate spaces are made up of a lot more than 
than just those components. So, I mean, I, I would I would say, Joe, that certainly that's that's the case today. But I think a, a lot of people are starting to look at the fact that they just don't need as much as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a huge concern of mine. Is like you know we've been putting in these you know these A plus systems for for years for our clients, and now they're all kind of like understanding that hey, all we really need is our laptop. And you know some good peripherals in order to have a you know good functional call. So it, it concerns me a little bit, you know. But I think of when I think of Zoom, they've got software as a service now. They've got platform as a service now. They've got infrastructure as a service now. And now they're starting to encroach on the one area that we as integrators, you know, kind of pride, which is we're the ones who design the systems, put the hardware in, you know, commission the systems, and then we have a, a you know a complete relationship from a service standpoint for maintaining those systems. So like, that's like that last 25% now that we are starting to see some of these other up and coming giants starting to encroach on a little bit. So I think it's just, it's, I agree with you in the sense that it's, it doesn't mean that we're out of the game, but it's a signal to me that we have to start playing the game a little bit differently. We have to start thinking about it a little bit differently in terms of how we approach design because I think people are okay with the basics. You know, um, you know a friend of mine, I was talking to him earlier about this, about his wife who runs a major record label and they use Google Chats. I mean, that, that's like, I mean, this major label worldwide company and all they use is Google Chat. And they're, and they're okay with the inconsistencies or okay with the, you know, the, with the, the, the gaps or, or the lacks of bells and whistles. They've just made it work because it's for free, you know? So, um, yeah, I think I agree with you that we have a place. I just think we have to, we have to re-engineer maybe that place that we find ourselves in, you know? Yeah, and I'd love to... Oh, sorry, Corey, go ahead. I was just going to ask, because you're both integrators, um, how do you see this... because we're talking about these smaller rooms today, but don't you think as this model gets launched, number one, other platforms like potentially Google, again, like you're mentioning, and, and probably Microsoft, et cetera, they're mm-hmm. going to likely follow this trend. And then what happens to these spaces where the integrators are pulled in, like the all-hand space, this, you know, these specialty spaces? Mm-hmm. You know, do you think your clients will ask for those to be hardware as a service? Yeah, so definitely that aspect. Those will for sure, which is great. And that's kind of why I don't mind this. They're helping push the overall agenda forward. It's way easier for everybody to, you know, learn about the as-a-service model through Zoom. And then when I talk about it, we're already familiar with it. Now, Akina, you you had mentioned a point about how, you know, they're kind of encroaching on this. And and now I I think it's just about bringing value in a different place, right? So Mm -hmm. I agree that there are a lot of folks that say, all right, I've got, you know, a little Bluetooth speaker, something like that. And I've got my laptop and this is kind of good enough. There are still a lot of people who say, I mean, I was on some site visits this week and there's folks who are saying, uh, I'm using my laptop and I have, this isn't enough for me. Like I need something mm-hmm. that's more quality. And also mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of requests for these spaces to be more flexible and to do additional things outside of conference calls. Um, certainly one thing we're seeing is, is video engagement going up and companies are looking at capturing you know, more of an audience that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we need a conference room that can double as a YouTube studio and mm-hmm. be mobile and go out to our machine floor. Like, how can we tack onto this? And like, I'm not saying Zoom doesn't have the talent to put that all together. I'm saying, do they, are they trying to get involved in like that kind of level up sort of thing? Maybe, yeah, maybe later. I yeah, yeah I, I definitely think that there is, 
a reliance upon us as integrators. Like it, it'll still be a matter of us going in to actually install all this hardware. What I, I think it's just going to be a different sort of communication. So if Zoom is providing the solution, now the client's speaking to Zoom and now Zoom is calling us when there's an issue from a server standpoint. That was one of the things that I had read in that article. It looks like they're, they're going all the way down to the service level so that if you have an issue with your space, they'll act as that intermediary now, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. You know, um, and now they're calling this, the integrator or that subcontractor to come in and, and fix the issues. So we lose a little bit of touch with the client directly in that regard, because instead of us getting that direct service contract with regards to their Zoom room um, and getting that direct call so that that account executive or that design engineer can have that conversation with that client on the other end, like, they, hey, how's the kids doing? You know, hey, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, I'm saying we're having an issue with this. Uh, with a particular room, oh yeah, no problem. We'll come in and take care of it. There's that you lose that sort of interpersonal piece of it yeah. um, with this specific sort of model. You know, um, if Zoom does start kind of taking over a, a large portion of that, then we lose touch, a little bit of touch there. So I just want to try to figure out ways that we can kind of maintain that. You know, and that may be with other you know systems that are just like you like you're saying. You know, systems that are much more involved. They're not necessarily Zoom based or Zoom's at the center of it. There's just a lot more functionality that's happening with the room beyond what a Zoom or a Teams or whatever can actually provide. So yeah, just making sure that we're, 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 we're maintaining that channel, you know, I think yeah. it's important. One, yeah. one of the things I thought of when I read it was, I don't, I mean, most companies that I deal with have a primary platform and then mm -hmm. also a secondary. So mm -hmm. how does this play in that, right? So if, if mm -hmm. Zoom is their secondary, do they still get that service or does it have to be, you know, I mean, just curious how they'll, how they'll manage that because most companies, have a couple of platforms that they they use yeah you know you mentioned something too earlier on like there's that not only do they have several that they'll use right like we standardize on this platform zoom teams whatever but and, and you may not even internally say we also use this or that or the other thing it's like my customers use this that or the other thing so like now we have to be able to kind of play inside of that. And so when we work with them, we'll use whatever platform they're on. But when these people work with their customers, whose platform are they using, right? I mean, that's a, that's a great point too. That flexibility has to exist, that kind of agnostic, um, you know, and, and I think eventually all these companies are really working towards that. Let's interoperability. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like there's a couple of different like platforms, you know, that I've been looking at that kind of help to solve that problem. Like T1B and Bluescape are two ones that I kind of think about that, you know, they kind of bring everybody together. I don't know what they're using, if it's PECSIP or something in the background that they're using, they bring all these different platforms together. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the way that you kind of bridge the gap between having your primary and secondary or these just, just desperate, you know, conferencing systems, whether they're hard or soft. Um, I think it's uh, those sort of, unifying platforms that can kind of help, you know, make things seem a bit more seamless. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do have a confession, uh, Joe, I, I still use a, a hard phone because I, because I'm old and I like it. At my last job, they sent me a hard phone and I was like, what is this for? I asked both of we have, we have two remote workers currently. Um, one lives in Tulsa, one lives in, in Texas. I asked both of them if they wanted hard phones and one who was slightly younger than the other one said, yeah, said no. And the one who happened to be, you know, more closer to my age actually said yes. So it was very, very much a generational thing. I think. So. You know what I'm using for my hard phone for right now? It's a coupling because my, my, my cable from the router was too short. 
<laughs> into my office. And that's, oh, all, that's all it's being used right now. Um, I won't mention the right. manufacturer's name, but no, yeah. No, 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 yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Uh, next story. Our, our buddies over at Commercial Integrator and Zachary uh, Como ask how integrators can combat video conferencing fatigue. It is a real thing. We've talked about it m- multiple times, most likely, whether that was at a, uh, a uh, happy hour, virtual happy hour with our buddy Mr. Neto or, or wherever. Uh, Microsoft actually introduced features to fight the fatigue, including dynamic view, live reactions, and reflective messaging. Other options, obviously, uh, you can turn off your own view, meaning that you're not looking at yourself depending uh, on the platform. Mm-hmm. And that way you don't feel like you're quote-unquote on or you need to perform for the length of that meeting. Akane, we'll start with you on this. You know, what else can we, can we help our friends and ourselves, Radley, to use our experiences to fight this VC fatigue? Well, I, I kind of have this whole um, renewed approach from a design standpoint in terms of design thinking. Um, and I think it involves um, less with uh, systems that we're putting in that support the content as opposed to spending more time on the content itself. And not necessarily creating the content, but in terms of how we're presenting the content. And one of the things that I've been just like Google goggle over over the last few months has been um, working in virtual, you know, VR, AR related, um, kind of moving away from the 1D, two dimensional sort of um, presentations of information and moving into like a two and a half to a 3D presentation of that information. Um, You know, there's a lot of really, really cool applications um, that are currently being deployed, um, you know, not in mass, but there's enough of them out there to demonstrate how being able to take some of the information that we might typically look at in a conference space on a screen, 98-inch screen, and how you can actually now take that information and make it something that's more immersive for people to participate in so that they feel like they're more a part of, um, you know, those meetings. Like, we want it to be something that's experiential and memorable as opposed to, you know, they're trying to forget because they got to get to the next meeting. So, um, you know, I feel like it's, a, it's actually an area where we actually need to ramp up in um, because I don't think that there are as many of us who are focused on more immersive technologies. I know it's kind of been left to like the gaming industry over the course yeah. of the last 10 years. Um, but there's been some really, really cool innovations over the last few years that make the price point of these emerging technologies much more accessible. It's stuff that you can learn for free, you know, um, and then once you understand how it interfaces with your specific vertical, for instance, with us from a conferencing standpoint, um, it just opens up a world of possibilities where now you really have to focus more on adoption as opposed to, you know, um, is the technology going to be worthwhile? Just p- people have to get used to it, you know, in, in, a, in a way. So that's, yeah. that's one of the things I've been thinking about is just not so much what we can do today, but really kind of focusing on the next level of emerging technologies that we can introduce to help our clients. Yeah, absolutely. Corey, same kind of question is, is, is can mention the fact that of developing something new or, or using something that's kind of emerging now to help folks, you know, not just in, in our industry, but also outside of our industry. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I was, I've really been pondering this because uh, I'm on screens all day long and I'm feeling the fatigue, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking when I'm hosting a meeting, what kinds of things can I do? And Akeen, it's, it's more of the things I do today would be, you know, making it more interactive versus mm-hmm. presentational so that, they, mm-hmm. so that I'm pulling in from the audience to make sure I'm keeping them because I'm just yeah. seeing their little bubbles down below maybe and not on screen. Right. So, you know, so, so doing more polling, more interaction, and even the simplest things of, you know, starting meetings where, you know, just I'm like standing up 
and um, you, you just trying to um, be bring in more of the human elements mm-hmm. of a meeting because this is here to stay. I mean, even right. when we get past COVID, there will still be many people that are working remotely, uh, you know, and we're, we need to figure this out. So I just think about things that I'm doing. I actually read... Uh, as I was trying to prepare for it, the virtual backgrounds like I'm using are more fatiguing, right? So, yeah. So kind of learning some of these things that I'm just not aware of, you know? Interesting. I see. I I find the virtual backgrounds kind of refreshing. So, but Joe, Joe, go ahead. What else, what else can we do? I mean, for me, I think yes on both of those things, right? I think it's kind of all encompassing like that. Corey, I love you talking about like bringing energy to the call um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like an excitement or an upbeat energy or something. I mean, that would be great, but like it just bring like a human aspect to the call by deciding that like, I'm here, I'm going to turn my camera on. I think a lot of this stuff can go back to companies having better comm strategies and saying, listen, here are the tools we have. Here's how we use them. Right. We have a thousand ways to communicate. I don't want to speak for anybody, but like, I've never been to a company that says like, okay, we have Slack, we have email, we have Zoom. Here's how we use them all. If you have this kind of thing, you know, it's that sort of stuff. The features that Microsoft added, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. And I also think that like, this is just kind of a consequence of the age, right? This is video conferencing has been around for a long time. This is the first time it's been widely adopted and used and, uh, you know, you still got people not turning cameras on. We're still kind of learning our way through this. And uh, so I think it's just, we'll naturally get better over time. Personally, um, you know, virtual backgrounds are sweet. I think they add a lot to it. I also don't, I don't know. I, I love and hate them all at the same time. <laughs> you know, I've, I, I've opted more, more often than not to go without one. Um, unless there's a specific, like something where it's like, we're going to use this for branding or whatever the case may yeah. be. But like, yeah. I love the whole homework aspect, home working aspect that we've gotten out of this whole thing where it's like, look, I've been on calls and people walk in and out because they got to get something out of the closet or people's dogs are coming in or whatever. And it's like, great, perfect. I'm cool with all of that. It helps me see you and get to know you and connect with you. And also, you know, I get stuck on these, I don't want to say stuck on these, you get on these calls and I find myself feeling like if I'm not looking into the screen, then people are going to think I'm not paying attention. But when we're sitting in person talking, even when you're talking, I am looking at you frequently, but not the whole time, right? And you're not oh, looking it's at me the whole time. Yeah, right, it is creepy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it is creepy. And, and, you know, I used to look at somebody on the other end of a call, and it's helped more with the one-on-one calls. I've started to learn more about the body language on the calls and kind of what people are looking for and just trying to notice the cues, you know? That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what we miss the most. And that's why I think something mm-hmm. as simple mm-hmm. as the hand raise button that can change things, right? We just now yeah. have to learn. We have to decide we're going to use it. Mm-hmm. That's the other side of it. But so, yeah, so one, one, one thing real quick before I, I move on to the next one. Um, this is not a commercial. I didn't buy these for myself. I got them from our, our buddy, uh, Paul, uh, Paul from PTZ Optics. But I was a part of the, the Presence Summit this week. And if you want to watch them, you can go to Presence Summit, uh, their website, presencesummits.com. Mitchell, you can put a link to that. Um, but he got everybody that was on, um, on the, as a presenter these nifty little um, hand cards or, or, or placards. It's a, it's a young lady that from Atlanta, I think that she's on Etsy and it's, and it's just the goofiest little things, but it's, Oh my gosh, can I tell you, I've used these things. And so for those of you who are listening and not watching, 
um, there, there's three of them. There, there, there's two sided. One says, I hear you. One says, I can't, we can't hear you. Mm. Uh, and there's graphics and everything. Uh, one says, unmute your mic. Obviously. <laughs> and one says, please mute your mic. <laughs> We've all had those that. Those two are the most popular. And, the, and right. then there's the clap, you know, and the hand raise. But I, I, I got those in the mail and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world, right? It, it's getting, it's, it's That's another right. thing, a way to just kind of, first of all, if somebody is, God love my father, and I've, I've picked on him enough for the last 10 years, 70 year old, he, he finally figured out how to, how to use Zoom. But he's one of these people that I would have to, you know, first of all, where's the chat? I can't type into chat, right? To tell him that I can't hear him, right? He's just figuring out and fumbling through. Something like that, it's goofy. I know, I get it. But it, it's an, another way to communicate with folks. Yeah. And again, to Corey's point, make it interactive. So, yeah. All right. Last story here of VIXA, a release their industry outlook and trends analysis, analysis report also known as the IOTA, so that's what I'll call it from here on out. According to the IOTA, the pro-AV industry will lose, get ready kids, $20 billion due to the COVID-19 crisis here in 2020. We will supposedly recover our pre-COVID levels in 2022. Uh, the EMEA uh, is going to take the, the biggest hit and the longest to recover back, then North America and then Asia PAC, which is the area that uh, they've been telling us for about five or six years is the fastest growing and the number one uh, in the world for uh, pro-AV. Um, the main areas of growth, according to the report, will be corporate, energy, uh, conferencing, and government. Now, this report is produced by um, Omdia, uh, O-M-D-I-A. The way they do it is they gather data points, uh, publicly available data points, uh, sales and shipping information from publicly traded companies and other uh, integrators, as well as other global uh, reportings globally. This is not a survey, right, of, of VIXA members. This is a company, this again, this Omdia company, they take uh, all these things together and they kind of compile this data. Corey, I'll start with you on this. Um, what areas do we see and, and, and what can we help, I guess, uh, to recover? You know, so I personally, I'm not sure I agree with the report and I also think yep. it's premature. Like if you look at um, the, the, ge the geography that's recovering, North America is struggling right now, right? So, um, so I'm not sure I, I agree with it. And then Tim, you said the areas of growth, you started with corporate, did you not when you just said that? I did, But, yep. here, but I thought in the report that I'm reading, it says corporate got a D plus. I'm sorry. Yes. Corporate. I, I miss, I mistyped that. Yes. Corporate got a D plus. Sorry. That's okay. the least one. Right. And um, we're actually seeing uh, from my company in QSC, we're seeing really positive growth in the corporate sector. And then uh, the other vertical that we're seeing, which does show in the report as fairly positive is education because we're seeing um, in, and we're actually seeing that in North America because of uh, uh, funding, the PPP funding, yep. um, you know, mm -hmm. there. Um, and then on this report, the, I hope it's true, but I don't agree with it was cinema got a B, you know? Um, so when I yeah. read this report, I just, mm. it, it certainly doesn't jive with what we're seeing as a global manufacturer in the verticals. Um, so I, I would, I challenge the data is what I would say. Okay, absolutely. What a good way to put that. <laughs> Joe, what other, uh, is, is Corey right? What, what areas are you guys seeing uh, as growth and recovery areas? Or is she right? Is it a bit too early to even be thinking about this yet? Uh, yes and yes. I mean, okay. 
I don't know when it's going to be time for us to say like, oh, now we, we feel confident about this information is going to change constantly. But the, the reality is, is like, I think there's opportunity in, in, in a lot of sectors and verticals now. Corporate's one of them. Education's another one. All these places that pretty much have to maintain and keep going one way or another, right? They're figuring out how to do it. And again, it comes back to like, how do we bring value in a different way? How do we um, capitalize on that opportunity? Uh, I would say corporate in the traditional sense and the way that we've done rooms before that certainly can take a change in hit but like you know corporate opportunity uh, i think from what we're seeing it's like i can't that's all i'm doing right now mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, last I, last part yeah, go ahead i you know i don't even i don't even know if i want to send my kids back to school in the fall right so i mean like if, from an uncertainty standpoint like you know there's there's a few different things I think that kind of play into it. There's the science of it, there's the common sense of it, and then there's, you know, a little bit of intuition that kind of plays into all of it. I'm not saying that that's what's going to drive a particular survey or, or a data report, but I think that's oftentimes what's missing from some of these reports is that there's a lot of agendas that may be uh, baked into some of these, you know, because, um, you know, people have a desire and a wish for things to return to a certain place in a certain way. So, you know, I, I would I would disagree in saying that I don't think that there's enough information yet to really kind of make that full determination. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to figure out what's going to happen through the end of the summer. Um, you know, and I think that you know I'm speaking of it from a personal standpoint, but I think that applies to business. That applies to you know uh, applies across the board. You know, in terms of you know, do we have enough data? Do we really have enough um, information to be able to make these sorts of predictions and these sort of decisions? Um, and you know, I definitely think we're going to, there's going to be some challenges. There's no question about that. Um, I think where things could tilt in one direction or the other is, is dependent upon innovations that are happening and how quickly they happen um, and how quickly those things are, be, are able to be spun out in the, in the industry and we're able to provide them as solutions. You know, some of the things I've been talking about, I think are going to take a little bit more time. This ramp up time. You got to test it. You got to make sure it's going to work and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, but overall, I think it's just a little early to to make any sort of definitive, you know, have a definitive probability or statistic. Yeah. And, and ju- just to correct myself, I, the, the corporate market, quote unquote, continues to be the single largest application area okay. pro AV, uh, capturing mm-hmm. $52 billion in 2020. So there we go. All right. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Ms. Corey Schaefer from QSC. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I... Uh, if you can follow me on uh, the Twitters, on LinkedIn, and uh, Corey.Schaefer at QSC.com. All right. Very good. Mr. Dunbar, thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, same thing. Uh, my Twitter is usually a little more nonsense than ProAV, but at Joe D and AV. And uh, certainly hit me up on LinkedIn, and I, I keep it pretty on topic there. So. All right. And Akintayo Adewale, thank you, sir, from Barracks. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, no, thanks for having me, Tim, first of all. And you can reach me at Akantayo Adewale. Um, that's my, my hashtag. So that's for Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, all the social medias that are out there, yeah. All right, very good. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, for me, Tim, for Tim Albright, don't follow me. Um, I <laughs> was going to say something about football or hockey or something. There ain't nothing, dude. Uh, even my kids' football got canceled, most likely. Well, 
56, 70, 90% chance it will be. And, I, and I'm with Akeen. I don't even know if I'm sending my kids back to school yet. So, uh, But uh, go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv, avnation.tv. A whole lot of really smart and talented people did work on it. I was not one of them. And that's why it looks good. Uh, you can find this program and a host of others. While you're there, please check out our underwriter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others. And QSC is one of those. And we thank them for their support. We're doing some really cool things uh, next couple of weeks, next couple of months. So ch- ch- keep checking that out. Um, and uh, yeah, go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.